Hey, this is Randy. You're listening to the Leave the Bottle podcast. And I'm Jim Bereford. Where do we find this thing, Jim? Where do we find anything? We find it all online. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, we find it That's... all online. Ask the NSA first, and yeah. then from there you take your cue from the NSA. Uh, but otherwise, you can go to iTunes and uh, Stitcher and Pocket Cast and go to leavethebottlepodcast.com, SoundCloud. Uh, you know, we're everywhere. Or now. write us, if you, we haven't been talking too long in the intro, at talk at leavethebottlepodcast.com. Yes, and ask for the NSA. Ask for the NSA. So, now, Jim, okay, I have to ask you this yeah. before because I'm going to throw you a curveball okay. here. Is the NSA behind Heartbleed? That's funny you mentioned that because there was that story that it's been around for two for since 2011, and they, they maybe have been listening. I, you know, that headline immediately smacks of the HuffPo bullshit kind of school of of. Uh, so I don't know. But it's Bloomberg. It's Michael Bloomberg. That, that, doesn't that air uh, credibility right off the top? One percent. Sure. I'm really going to believe that. Uh, but, you know, Come on. You don't think could, that this wouldn't be something that the NSA would have freaking loved? Could, a, back, could be. a back door in with no way of anybody knowing. I don't it's think there's brilliant. enough. It's perfect. I don't think there's enough uh, riches and jewels there for the NSA, but it could they could have been using. You know what? That's a perfect example. Intelligence gathering. Yeah, the, that's a perfect example though. Another great one is people um, you know what Google Voice is? There's a Google Voice number for the United States and all right. this and right now it's been free for two or three years, maybe more. And people are going, "Oh yeah, my Google Voice number." Very cool. I love it. I've, con you know, my business. I do this. I do that. I ported my real phone number. Use it with my mobile. On and my on and on. How too. great it is, and it's free. And I love it. I have, uh, I don't know how many of those numbers. We use them on different podcasts and stuff. We could get one, in fact. But hmm. what I was going to say is, so you're complaining about the NSA collecting metadata, and Google has a list of every phone call you receive or make through Google Voice. That, and all the copies of text, which they're searching to see, you know, what you're interested in. So, yeah, go ahead. Be worried about the metadata. Get off Google if you're that worried about it. I'm not, so I'm on Google big time, but uh, they know everything about me. Well, it's, uh, to me, the, uh, it's an important story. Heartbleed is an important story, absolutely. To me, though, the, what's kind of gotten uh, lost in it is – People should be changing their passwords periodically anyways. anyway. That's right. Just as a normal course of business, if you're using the same password on any site, I don't care what it is that you were using in 2010, you're begging for oh trouble. God. Wait you're a minute, pleading, you're on your knees saying, please screw me. You're scaring me. me. You're scaring me because most of my passwords contain 2010. <laughs> How did you know that? Mine are Y2K based, but okay. You know, I have but, a you know, I have a Google address that has 2008 in it because I couldn't get the one without it. And then uh, somebody told me about about three years ago. Somebody said, "You know, your email address is expired. You really ought to change it." I have a buddy of mine, and his email address is is it's uh, his name in 2000 Yahoo. Yeah. So it's like okay, whatever. But all kidding aside. Change your email. It, you, you, you change, change your change you your. Cha you change your oil every three thousand miles, which is, by the way, is complete horse shit. I don't. Nobody needs to change it. No, well, you don't because you ride a horse. You can I change your car. horse. <laughs> you change your horse every you know once every you know ten years when the horse. But kicks not in the, the middle. But not in the middle of the stream. No. <laughs> 
but uh, to me, it's just good practice. I don't care if it's your Amazon account, your Google account, your banking, especially banking and stuff. Uh, And in the last day or two, as the list has been shown for what sites have been affected and what haven't, what kind of concerns me a little bit is people are going to say, okay, well, you know what? A lot of these big sites, you really don't need to change your password because of Heartbleed. I think that that's dangerous only in the sense that it's a false sense of security that, okay, this time you're safe on most of the sites. And let's be honest, most of the sites that most people use, you're okay on this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to- the, the, the target breach was much more, the target breach in December was much more impacting on people, including people I know, mm-hmm. than, than uh, Heartbleed is. But I just I don't want people to suddenly say, well, you know what? Okay, it says I don't have to change it for this, this, and this company. Well, that's pretty much what I use, so I'm not going to do anything. Don't do that. Well, the other thing is I received, and I'm sure you have and everybody has, you get from, for example, Tumblr sent a thing. uh, I just changed it today. Uh, I got it today, too. And, you know, but they say it's very unlikely that, of course, what are they going to say, right? Right, but they they do. They're always the reassuring, and then they go, "Here's what we're going to do about it." I got that from a million sites, including sites that I don't even care about anymore. But by the way, I got burned on that once. I let some silly email go, some you know stupid free email, uh, years and years ago that I was using on uh, on um, eBay, and then I stopped using eBay, and I lost control of the email. And you know what happened? eBay started telling me we're coming to get your office furniture because you owe us eleven hundred dollars for. Uh, this is why I don't like eBay, by the way. Uh, I hate eBay. So I lost, you know, and it was my fault. It was my fault. But we straightened it out eventually. It took two weeks right. to reach a human being at that time, um, and that's what I don't like: is that they're dealing with your money and PayPal and all that, and then you can't reach anybody. But that apparently has changed a little bit. Hey, we were talking a little. A few minutes ago about something that I think is funny and it leads to a whole other discussion that I think is really important. Okay. Uh, and that is the mocking of the French in this law. So uh, the law about your boss not being able to email you or make you respond to things after six, I guess it is. Um, now, NPR reprinted this saying that a million people in France were affected by it. And I just saw today that irritated me off the – I don't know, whatever post I saw irritated me right off because of the tone being mocking. Then I saw NPR. Now they got a correction that it was actually only 200,000 people in a country of 70 million or so that are affected. Here's what – the reason I bring it up is because is that American exceptionalism, uh, you know, thinking that it's funny – that people actually have a better lifestyle than you do? Where is this coming from? I mean, if that's exceptional, I don't want to be exceptional. Well, you also went, ran away from America over 30 years ago. Well, not for that reason, though. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's shooting fish in a barrel, mocking the French. It's all one and It is easy, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, thank you for the Statue of Liberty. Thank you for the freedom. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Freedom Prize? You, you, no, you guys helped get us our freedom 200 and some odd years oh, ago. That was nothing. Yeah, I know. Nobody wants to ever talk about it. One of those things they don't really teach in school. You know, who was it that actually worked for, you know, helped America become free? That's right. And who burned down our White House 20 years later? <clears throat> you can't always, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those it's, – it's almost become one of those little dirty secrets about who actually uh, helped us – 
during the Revolutionary War. I'm not going to say every last French intention then was of good sort, but, you know, it was kind of more like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. But, you know, in the end, who cares? It's like, you know what, if if it gets you to where you got to go. But this- I, I admit, I, I when I saw that the other day, the whole prejudicial thing about the French, I laughed. I laughed. Is it? Oh, Jesus. You know, here you already got a law for a 35 hour work week since 1999 and five and weeks of vacation a year. I know. I know. It's like it's like you guys are school teachers or something. Oh, did I say that? Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. <laughs> anyway, so, this was with relation to also with relation to. Um, oh, and by the way, since we're mentioning this during the Gulf War, was it? No, the Iraq thing when the president of France refused to join uh Consuela or whatever her name is, Condoleezza and and company and Colin Powell. Uh, Boy, we could get into a real rat hole here, by the way, because poor Colin Powell, I think, is a really – would have he been an interesting guy, right? He's that's he boy. Unfortunate, river. unfortunate uh, metaphor. But yeah, get out in front of that. Get out in front of that UN and lie for but us. But anyway, that whole thing where when we we went back to the states that year and people are going, you know, not mean because they're friends, kind of friends that we just met, like at a dinner, for example, would go. Well, you know, uh, wouldn't you – if your neighbors were having trouble, wouldn't you go help them? I said, yeah, if, they, if I thought they were right on the right side, you know. But anyway, that right. wasn't my decision. The point is that, uh, you know, how many years later are we looking at the going, well, wait a minute. Weapons of mass destruction and all that. Yeah, right. We should have jumped right in there, sure. So yeah. that's the end of that. I didn't want to go into that too much. But the real thing was what we were talking about after the French and the working thing, which is this pride – in you know doing a good job while you're working, and then uh, the service aspect. We also linked that to when we were talking to Steve Factor uh, last time about uh, the di- changing job situation. And you and I said a couple of minutes ago that in fact a lot of jobs are going to turn more to service because manufacturing is being manufacturing is being more. Uh, automated and robots and deliveries by drones and yada yada. I mean, we go on and on. So the way I see it, and I think you agree, that good service has become, it's like an attention economy. This is the service economy now. And I told you then the story about how I walked into an automotive center, a body shop, actually. I needed them to do something for me. I expected to be ignored and then, you know, dissed and everything else. And uh, I actually... Went in and I said, could you do this welt for me? And the woman said, sure, bring bring the piece in and, and we'll tell you how much it's going to cost. Brought it in. Another person was there, really nice. And I mean, they had no reason to be that nice to me. This is a $12 job. And they do, you know, huge wrecks that they convert. Body works expense is expensive. So this is a big operation. It's family, but it's big. Then I came in another day and uh, when I picked it up, she said, that's $12. In equivalent in euros, and um, she called the boss, the guy, the older guy was there, and she called him daddy. And I understood then that the whole thing was this family operation. And I felt so good. The service was so good, cheerful, nice, inexpensive, efficient. This was in France? Yeah, and uh, plus. Yeah, right. That's a thousand percent more important. Uh, No, but the point is, but even in the States, I think it's (laughs) fairly rare that you'd get this, except maybe in a real small town where they knew you already. Uh, But the point is that. I told them, I said, you know what? I really wish I owned a car because if I ever wrecked it, I'd bring it right here. I, I just, I, I had to compliment them that 
in, in being so nice. And yet, shouldn't that just be expected? And I'm not being flipped when I no, say that. I really, I, I mean, I really mean that. Shouldn't that just be expected? When you go into any kind of place of business, shouldn't that be the norm? It shouldn't be the exception. And yet, it feels like now we're at a time and a place where even mediocre service is something to almost be applauded. And I'm not just talking about, say, going to the DMV or standing in line uh, to have your oil changed at a shop or something like that. But just in general, it seems like now we we almost feel like we have to applaud mediocrity, mediocrity when it comes to service instead of it just being, but that's the way it's supposed to be. And I, I have a personal stake in that, I suppose, after most of my working life being in the service industry, sometimes in tips where tips came into play, but other times not, you know, that, that had nothing to do with tips. Isn't, isn't it more a question of investing yourself in a job? I mean, hey, you, not everybody's yeah. got a great job. I get that, that you, you right. know, maybe it's not fascinating, but particularly because service, what is service? You're dealing with other human beings. So right. wouldn't, you, wouldn't you have a much, and your entire family have a much happier life if you were like kind of engaging, like pretend life is Google Plus or Twitter or something. You know what I mean, that's how insane it is. Everybody's so glib and cool on, on social media and projecting this, you know, happy, uh, hello, my pluslings thing. And then um, I'm not saying the same people are, are not cool in life. But what I am saying is this is a great lesson. If you could be like that, not phony, but just try to be happy enough and and want to provide the service that you're being paid for, even if you're not being paid a lot, you would get that back by the good vibe from the customer. And I, I realize you, of all people, you've been in the business, so you know that you may have dealt with people in a business and been really nice to them, and suddenly it's like they're total assholes for no reason, oh, God, and you're yes. still nice Quite to often. them. So, I mean, Quite I often. understand that. It's not always going to pay yeah. off, but neither do slot machines, okay? So if you're nice to people and you try to keep that going, not every day of your life, but as many times as you can, rather than just being bored and going, what do you want? Uh, that would be good. And I, I feel, again, this is not just me ranting about bad service. It is me saying I think that service has a huge future in employment because it's, gonna, it's so damn rare in life. Well, it, it, and also you, you see um, Angie's List. It's that site where I don't know if they have it in France or not. but I know what you're talking about, yeah. But Angie's List where say you need a contractor and you, can, mm -hmm. you pay subscription per year for Angie's List. I need a plumber and, you know, I've had bad experiences or I'm new to the area. I've moved to this area and I don't really know anybody that I can trust to give me a recommendation. So you go to Angie's list and, you know, and get their critiques and so forth. I'm not saying that you should be, if you're that plumber, that you should be thinking absolutely about Angie's list when you're doing your job. That should be a byproduct. Mm -hmm. and, and I look at that in a, in a bigger sense that, um, it comes down to pride a lot of times. You know, we all work hard. Well, most of us work hard as, as long as we can. And you know, we all want to make more money. And most of us always feel that we're not making as much as we'd like to make. And I think that for some people that can spill over into dissatisfaction and to a, you know, blase, I don't give a shit kind of attitude because even though that person behind the counter may not actually actively hate their job. They feel either disrespected or they may feel like their, their worth is 
undervalued. So if my worth is undervalued to my employer, why am I going to go that extra mile to the person who's across the counter from me or the person who came up to me holding a product and wanting to know more information? I have a really interesting quick uh, anecdote. The other night we're at Whole Foods. Yes, Whole Foods. And we're buying some pizza dough because we make pizza ourselves. And for the last couple of weeks, there was this whole wheat pizza dough we haven't seen. So I asked a young man who was stocking a freezer. I'm like, did they discontinue it? Because all we're seeing is the white uh, flour-based onion. And he's like, well, let me go check. And he's looking around and he sees it's in a different packaging or a little bit different was whole wheat. He's like, well, I'm not sure if this is the same one or not. Maybe they changed the packaging. Hold on. And he was so nice. He leaves. He goes up to the front of the Whole Foods, does goes through a price check and all that stuff. Comes back two or three minutes later. It's the exact same product. They've just changed the, the packaging on the whole wheat. And he big smiles and big, you know, it, every, it made it a really nice experience. In that moment, it's like, wow, you know what? He was a cool kid. He's early 20s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Cool kid, very nice. He was in, I took him away from in the middle of stocking another shelf. And so he had to go spend a couple minutes doing that. He didn't act perturbed. He didn't act put out. He acted as if, you know what? Hey, I'm there for you. And you know what? I probably should write to Whole Foods and be yeah, like, you know what? You I should. had this really great if, – if anybody from Whole Foods ever hears this, you know, in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Or just uh, <laughs> post it on social – post it on Facebook. Yeah, so it was like it was really cool. But it also kind of goes back to he was still just doing his job. Yeah, but that was, that was good. He was really uh, just doing his job. I mean I was very happy. And, you know, and it's still a very nice story for me because – Frankly, most of the time nowadays, you just get met with eye rolls and I don't know, well, you know, the, and, grunts I, and they walk away. Before you said that, I was about to say something related, which is that um, as far as people hating their jobs, what happens usually is when you're in your teenage years, and I've been through this, I work in fast food thing. Yeah, that is par for the course. It's part of growing up. You're in this. So I was in a shoe store in a in a mall. You know, malls are horrible in, in the United States. And uh, I mean, no, but I mean, commercially speaking, the the real estate is so the rent is so expensive. Yes. And so on and so forth. Anyway, so there were two young people. One one boy, one girl, nineteen. You know, summer jobby type thing. Um. I was looking in at shoes, looking for some shoes, and they were like at two, two other, uh, two opposite sides of the store, and uh, saying to each other, "This job sucks. This job sucks," and stuff like that. <laughs> and which is fine, and I'm sure it does. But uh, yeah, I just left. I couldn't. I just couldn't deal with it. If I was the owner, I would have looked for other people. You know, that's a mi- oh, talk about sure. not doing your job. I mean, that's a minimum. Would just be not singing, making people feel feel uh, making people feel uncomfortable. That's like pissing in the pickle barrel, you know. I mean, uh, almost. <laughs> I had Don't a do that. A couple of weeks ago, the flip side. I had the wonderful experience the other night at Whole Foods with that young man. Flip side to this, uh, about five weeks ago, the day that uh, we had to end it with my 19-year-old cat, mm-hmm. and I had brought uh, the cat to the hospital where my wife works, and uh, there, you know, to euthanize him. And I left there, and obviously, I was, you know, completely traumatized and 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 just extraordinarily sad and all that stuff. And I had to get uh, some food for my uh, other animals, and so there was a pet store nearby. And it's ten thirty in the morning, maybe, you know, and I'm just like an emotional wreck and all that stuff. 
So I park and I, and it's in a big strip mall and I walk in and I'm looking around and it's like, and it's a big, pretty big pet store. It's, it's uh, not pet smart or not Petco, but it's pretty big and there's nobody. And I'm walking around <laughs> and I'm walking past the register. There's nobody. And I'm walking around, I'm walking all through these aisles. There's nobody. The music's playing, but there's nobody. I'm there four minutes, five minutes. There's nobody in the store. I'm walking all around. It's a big store. And I'm just like, what's going on? Am I on camera here or Maybe something? Being robbed? Well, that, then all of a sudden, I got very nervous. And I'm like, oh, my God. Did they get robbed? I went into the back. I went into their back room and yelled out. Because I kept, when I'm in the aisles after a while, I started, hello, hello. So I go into their back room. And I'm yelling at them, hello, hello. And uh, no answer. And I'm like, I get Whoa. my cell phone out and I'm getting ready to call 911 because I'm like, oh, my God, I just walked in probably on a robbery. Maybe when they were opening because that sign said they opened at 10. And this was shortly after that. You know, did they get robbed by somebody, you know, when they first opened, you know, brought them in back, yeah. tied them up, shot yeah. them or something. And I started getting scared for my welfare, too. So I got it out. I'm in the middle of dialing 911. I'm walking as fast as I could to the front of the store because it's like, if something's still going on, I need to be out of here. Yeah, sure. All of a sudden, this kid comes out. Hello. Hi. Zip, zipping up his pants by any chance? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Mary Jane following him. No, <laughs> he was not. He was just, he was this young kid, probably 19 or 20 and acting as if that was no big deal. He came out from the back, from another area of the back room. And I turned around and I said, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. I said, I've been in here now for six or seven minutes and there's nobody. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm here. Everything's good. No apology, <laughs> no explanation, no anything. It's like, yeah, you know, well, okay, if you're the only one happened to be there and you had to, you know, go take a leak or something, you lock the door, whatever. I told him, I said, you know, not for nothing, but I was getting, I had showed him my phone. I said, I was getting ready to dial 911 because I thought maybe there was a robbery going on. Oh, no, no, no. You got all freaked out. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I said, but that's not cool what you just did. I wonder what he was doing, though. Was he maybe he was well, working uh, in the back room? He might have been having a cigarette in the back or he may whatever. And the thing is, is normally that store I go into it all the time. There's normally three, four or five employees. Yeah, uh, you know, with the economy these days, Jim. I know, I know. <laughs> That's but, it. But, but, but my bigger Downscape. point about that whole thing was yeah. was he should have said he, he didn't even acknowledge. Even after I told him, his only concern was that I was going to tell his boss. Yeah, but he's too young. His concern, his concern. I know. I know. Too young, but but that's but that's where we're at now. Where we do have some of these like really great kids, like the one at Whole Foods. Yeah. But then we have these other ones too, and I think it's like you and I were talking before we started this about people don't. And we may have addressed this before, but people don't work forty years for the company anymore. They don't. They jump from job to job, and I think that that's a large part of why service in general has faltered so badly. Obviously, in, if in France, just like the U.S. You know, here's I. This is what's funny, though, is that everything I say, I realize there's a lot of exceptions. And here, I just was just saying how it sucks in malls. Where was I? <laughs> I was in um, Atlanta, Georgia, last year, and we were we were in a mall because we were in a hotel and you know had to go get something. And there's a chain that sells tea, pretty famous, but I don't recall the name of it. Uh, Willoughby's. No. It might have been. It might have been. I, I can't remember. Anyway, and there were, first of all, there were three drop-dead, lovely 20-year-old ladies working at the counter there. 
Why they need three, I don't know. But I was, you know, you had me at the first because one. They, because they wanted people like you to take a second and third look. And I wasn't looking for tea, but somebody I was with was, and we went in. And I started talking to the young woman there. To me, she's a girl. I mean, I'm three times her age, okay? Talking to her, and she was so charming. I've already told you these stories about how I melt, and think, then I think, oh, you know, I'm a grand. She's looking at her grandfather kind of thing. But she was just so nice, and we actually had a conversation and everything. And I did not buy anything then because somebody else was buying something. But I actually went back, not for her because she wasn't even there the next time. But I went back because I thought, well, that's great that they there's this vibe in the store and it's cool. And I wanted to buy my wife a, a box for, that she puts tea in. And I did that. And I, I took a few pictures, texted her the pictures, and she picked one out. And I went back. And um, it was a great experience. And I mean, these companies – and that happened to be in a mall. So go figure. But these companies, when the employees are – are well chosen, maybe, or well trained. I don't know which. It they just, don't have the time to train them anymore. It's just, but these 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 women, they're girls. I'm sorry, I apologize, ladies, but they're girls. I could be their grandfather. Um, <laughs> these girls are just super, and they they acted like adults. Of course, I'm so old. Maybe they were 35 for all I know, right? <laughs> they look 20. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They they were just. I I love when people are nice to you. Does, it makes you feel good. Yes. You want to buy Absolutely. something, even if yes. you don't need it today. I'm coming back to buy. I'll force myself. What do I need? I'll buy a car. You know. It uh, does. It's, it's, it's so cool. It's that old adage: it doesn't cost anything to be nice. Yeah, and this it, is part of this future thing. Okay, so. Everything else is impersonal. I was in Nespresso, yet another thing. I was in Nes- Nespresso is now has these automatic distributors. So they would love to just cut their employees like banks. Right. In the bank, you go to the bank. There's a guy at the bank or a woman at the at the at the there's a teller thing, but mostly if you want money, you are directed over to the to the ATM. They don't want right. to deal with money. What are we? What are we bank? We're bank employees, or what? Yes, you are exactly. bank employees. And and frankly, when, years ago, we used to go to the bank, and if there wasn't a line, you'd be shooting the bull. You know, there'd be somebody there, and you, boy, I really wish they would get done with the construction on ten. You know, it's just it's so hard to get in, or some silly thing. But you are interfacing with a human being again before social media. So here we are interfacing in person. Where you're going to, you know, you're actually touching the life of a human being. And these jobs are all going away. So my point back to the tea room or the tea place or the Whole Foods or whatever is, this is a huge thing. And I think that some of the companies that people talk about a lot, like, um, what is it, Zappos, which I'm not that familiar with, but they have such a great, great reputation. Company. Amazing yeah. company. Service, They are right? amazing. They, uh, Zappos, my wife and I are absolute Zappaholics. There you go. They that, Unfortunately, I, that is not in person, uh, by the way. But still, no, it's not in it's person. Service. But you know what? They they still employ a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They employ a lot of people, and, and uh, you you can't ignore that fact either. I mean, I know that people t- go on about their brick and mortar for the local economy, and they're absolutely right. When you that, can, yeah. When you can, and you know, it's as an American, it doesn't do me any good, frankly, when you know. A company picks up and moves over to Vietnam or something like that, because what ends up happening is, is what little comes back, comes back in a way of Walmart jobs that pay shit. And where the most of the Walmart employees or many of them end up still having to take food stamps, assistance and so forth, because they only get so many hours. Um, So the benefit where I live is much less. 
But, you know, if you have Zappos is absolutely amazing. I mean, if you're ever talking about recommending a company that just takes care of the consumer, I mean, you can you can get shoes and if you don't like them or, you know, whatever, as long as they're not beat up on, they take them back. It's it's just and it's more than just that. The the experience and and what they do for you is, is amazing. I think that more CEOs should have to spend like a month at some kind of boot camp with Zappos to should, this is how you treat customers. Well, people this talk about this. You treat customers. People talk about it online all the time. So I'm sure that anybody in any position of responsibility uh, has, has seen it. And, you know, they're always dragged out as the, as the example, by the way, um, I had an experience a while back in a, a music school online, fantastic music school online. And I had a request. I wrote to, this is about service still. I wrote to um, the person in charge asking them to remove a video that I had submitted because it wasn't going to be reviewed in time and I didn't want it hanging out, hanging around there. In other words, you send, a re- you send, you play something on video, you post it, the teacher reviews it. Well, the teacher wasn't going to have time to review it and I didn't really f- want him to review it when I couldn't see it anymore because I was leaving that school for a while. So um, no answer, you know, one week, wrote again, no answer next week. And then I get an answer from somebody who says, oh, that person doesn't work here anymore, um, such and such. Yeah. Anyway, that took two or three back and forths to explain it, and it was very late. Uh, and she finally did it, and then she said, but you know, you should have written to such and such an address. She's just putting this guilt on me. When I did write to the correct address the first right. time, right. Uh, you probably heard the story, but maybe not on the podcast. So long story short, um, she said, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you, because I started ranting on social media about it. She finally <laughs> saw it. Oh, that's right. So they didn't answer until she saw the post on Google, I think it was, and Twitter. And then she got back to me. And finally, at the end, when she understood, but she still, she was being disagreeable in the beginning, going, why are you ranting? We've never, here's the line you don't say to anybody. No one else has ever had a problem. Don't give me that. That's that's <laughs> number one wrong answer ever when you're in service. But anyway, so she finally, you know, like KLM, uh, she finally came through. She says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you three. You're leaving. When you come back next time, three months free. I said, hey, that's terrific. I love it. But then she wrote back and said, but if you would have written to the address in the first place, I said, I'm thinking I did not answer this. But I'm thinking, I almost said honey, but the point is I was thinking to myself. Condescending there. Yeah, I know. Well, that because that she was so condescending, that's what what breeds this stuff. Anyway, so I was thinking to myself, madam, I don't know what to say anymore, you know, uh, or human, human being. No, it's that. Hey, you're the, oh yeah, that's right. She started with the company. So she also was telling me how, you know, her credentials, which is not necessary. She could have said, and I'm going on about this because I think there's actual advice in what I'm saying, which is she could have said, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm the, you know, I am the manager of customer experience. What do we do to make this right? And then I say, well, here's what I need done. And she goes, okay, I'm sorry you didn't get in touch with the person because she left and we had a little problem with email. So here's three months free. Enjoy. And that's the end of it. Not you should have done this and not I am so-and-so and and I've been with this company forever and we have never heard this complaint before. Because I don't care if you've never heard it before. If I get run run over by a car by somebody who never ran anybody over before, hey, you know what? That's not going to help. I'm still dead. And it's their first time, you know. So well, hey. it's interesting to bring, because there's more and more people now are using uh, social media, mainly Twitter, 
um, to connect with companies mm-hmm. when they have an issue. Because yep. a lot of times now, a lot of companies, if they're smart, they have a whole bunch of social media uh, employees who are monitoring in real time all the yep. time. And they twenty four seven really fast. Like JetBlue is renowned for, for getting back to people like within minutes. And I actually have a friend who she's had a lot of uh, times with her vehicles. Uh, and recalls and things like that. And and now she's done it uh, with her phone service and so forth. And she gets, she doesn't suffer fools gladly that way. And she gets results right away. I've never done it until last Saturday, a week ago today, as we record this, I had gone to a, a friend's surprise birthday party. I'm coming home. I hadn't eaten there because they had all stuff with meat and all that. So I'm on the interstate um, in Connecticut, and there was a, a rest area, and it had a, a subway in there. So I'm like, okay, well, I can find something in subway. Oh, God. All right. I know, I know, All I know. Right. Well, you know, I know subway sucks. I know, but you know what? I like it. The and lowest. Starting, oh, okay. I, know, but, I know, but starting next week, there'll be no more yoga mats in their bread. Um, so I pull in, and it's like 7.20 p.m., Saturday night. Yeah, it's a pretty busy interstate and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I pull in, park, I go in and got the big counter right there. And it was, it was a combination Subway slash Dunkin' Donuts. So I mean, just two, <laughs> two really Jesus. good products right there. I know. Yeah. Oh, so God. there's nobody, so there's nobody in line. Okay, great. I'm going to get my sub and take off and go home and all that stuff. But there's no, those, there was no employees there. And I'm waiting a minute and I'm waiting a couple of minutes. And this is just like the freaking pet store. What is it with you? I know. So finally, and the thing is, is there was, uh, it was, there was connected to it was like the convenience store. People could get gas and all. Oh. And there was people in there and there had been a woman behind the counter at the Dunkin' Donuts part who had looked at me and then went into the back room. <laughs> now, I don't know if the same employee does both, the Dunkin' yeah. Donuts and the Subway, if it's different. So it gets to be like four minutes and it's five minutes and it's six minutes. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? And so finally, I was just like, I want to get going. I'm tired. I want to go home. And I guess I'll just go to the, to the convenience store part and get some chips or whatever. And uh, so I did. And because I was like saying hello, hello and all this. And I was like, oh, so I go in there and I, and I buy some chips and all that stuff. So there was a cleaning guy who had been talking to some of the employees in there. And I said to him, I said, is there a subway employee in there? Oh, yeah, she's around. He gave her name and whatnot. And so I, I got my chips and a soda and all that stuff. And I'm walking out and I said to him, I said, you know what? Not for nothing, but it's really a good thing I'm not a subway employee right now. <laughs> I said, because if I was a regional manager or something like that, there would be something done about this. And he's like, well, I can go in the back and try to find her or something. Oh, I said, yeah, no, that, that's too late now. So I took a picture. I took a picture with my phone of the empty subway. Interesting, yeah. I went out to my car. And on Twitter, I tweeted that picture to Subway right from there, timestamped at this point. It's about 730. I said, this is your Subway. Subway, this is your highway on uh, Route 15 in uh, North Haven, Connecticut at 720. And I I said quickly, no employee in over five minutes. Sent it to them. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to hear back very fast from Subway because not cool at all. Nothing. I still haven't. A week later, Subway, you suck because you didn't do anything about it. You didn't reply to me. You didn't they, ask me. Are they talking to anybody? You can tell, you know, by clicking on the – you yeah, can see their I stream. Say, 
nothing. So they're just so they're broadcasting. They're going, hey, this week at Subway, blah blah blah, whatever. But you know, it's Subway. They're one of the biggest franchises in. We have that here, you know. And I know they got their their subways on the on the top of uh, Mount Everest. You know, um, if you want, my point being was that yeah, here I finally decided for once to use. Good. Social media to contact a company. Well, they, they don't about, care, yeah. and they and they didn't, and yet all these other people I know have had very good uh, luck. You know contacting what, companies. You know what though? Remember, Subway's a franchise, and yeah, yes. it's bad for their name, sure. But they, I guess, maybe they don't have a lot of money invested in answering, and it's a local issue. I've had this with a with a rental car, same problem, and I did get in touch. With um, the president of the company because he's on, I saw he was on Twitter and I saw the company's on Twitter. So I started with the tweet, hey, such and such problem. The, the person on Twitter came back uh, in a reasonable time saying, um, what was the problem? And I said, I would really like to get in touch with the owner of the company because it's I need to explain and 140 characters isn't enough even in a DM. So we screwed around for a day or two on that, and they, she finally got an email. She she contacted she. I say she. I think it must have been a female name. I don't know, but the person uh, contacted the the office and got me an email address. I wrote to the email address. It got straightened out. It happened to be a weird thing that happened that was actually nobody's fault for once, but it got straightened out, and I got that you know uh, dealt with to my satisfaction. But on the other hand, a lot of times. Um, this was a franchise, so it had to go down. It took a lot longer is what I'm saying because, after all, this is on the person who owns that shop, right? And as you know from uh, the rant about health care a few months ago, uh, there's a guy – You know, some, some people own like 50 subways. And right. they have to joggy the employees around so they don't have to pay too much health insurance. You know, right. So um, that's another rat hole we get into for about three hours. But anyway, this, so people – these are investments. This is a cold business, by the way, Subway. It's cold meat and it's cold business. Well, these, you know, you know, it's money, I, money, money. This, that's though. it. I will say this though. One of my dear friends who I've known for a million years, wonderful, wonderful woman. And she actually uh, runs several – Mm-hmm. She's not. I don't think she's the franchisee, but she runs. You, that could happen them. to manage. Yeah. She, uh, she her cares. places. Her places are the most meticulous, the most spotless. I've been in subways all across the United States, Canada, Mexico. You know, all over the place. I don't know if you should uh, be bragging about that. Though. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what. Um, Get some real food but, once in a while. Hey, Whole Foods, I okay. I do. Rah, rah. I do. Whole I do. Foods. But, you know, sometimes that $5 yeah. sub. I get uh, it. But her place is exceptional. Her place is – you can tell that she has tr- done the training that I don't see in other places. Back to and, the pride and the, and the investment. Exactly. Yeah. Which when I, I used to work with her in a restaurant for many, many years. That's how we became friends in the first place. And she was meticulous back then. As a waitress, mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. everything was meticulous. She couldn't have done it. She was like a restaurant owner's dream. And so now now that she's like running several of these subways, it makes sense that she has taken that pride from there. Um, and so that's why, you know, it's always disappointing to me when I see her level of standards. And then I go with the situation that I had happen last week on the, on the highway uh, where obviously somebody else doesn't have those same standards. Uh, I'm thinking. But- I'm thinking that I don't know if you watched the following 
where where the guy has been resuscitated. He's now they know he's alive, and his photo is on every single uh, TV screen. Wait a minute, the connection is. I think somebody put your photo on a TV screen, wanted, <laughs> and these people are hiding out. When whenever you go into a Run store, it's like six guy. minutes. You Run. know, they they don't want to yeah. know. You know, do, do not approach. Dangerous. You know, they probably shouldn't. If they really knew me, they would run like hell. But hey, yeah, I, you know what? Well, speaking the following, no, um, the no, but following, speak, I tried to, I tried and tried and tried to watch. It. I'm, I'm loving it now because I keep yelling at the screen. It gets my angst out. But anyway, uh, speaking of TV, um, we can. Um, it's a good time to maybe mention a couple of things we're watching. And you mentioned Turn. Let's hear a little about that. Yeah, what, what do you turn, like about? Uh, you know what? It turn. I like it. It's the new uh, AMC show that because The Walking Dead finished up its season. Uh, two weeks ago so it's filling its spot now for the next i don't know 10 12 weeks whatever it is just uh turn it's the uh taken from a book uh it's the true story of the first spy ring in america back in the revolutionary war george washington and and uh, all of them as the uh the american rebels uh trying to overthrow the evil british empire and uh so the actually, original tea party is in it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sort of before they became what yeah. we won't go there. No. Um, but no, it starts a little bit quiet and slow the first half hour, 45 minutes as it's building up. But the really, I think a really interesting character is the costumes. And I'm not normally a period piece kind of yeah. person. I mean, normally if I see like movies set in the 1700s, I run screaming away from them, you know, but uh, this one was actually because it shows it's more than just a spy thing. It's about where your loyalties lie and what you've been told all your life or, you know, these people that were in America, that the, the fallacy and the myth is that everybody was ready to overthrow the British. And that's just not the case. Mm. There was many people living here in the colonies who were very happy being subjects of King George, who were very, very loyal to the crown. Don't and rock the boat. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's what they knew. It's what yeah. they it's what their fathers and their grandfathers, you know, came over uh, you know, in the uh, 16 and early 1700s, and they were very loyal. And, and I think there is this misconception that everybody was a revolutionary, and it's not true. And it divided families. Like today, politics and religion can divide families today. We always think that we're reinventing the wheel, and we're not. We're just kind of putting a new coat of paint on that wheel. And so that's, you know, it's interesting because within turn, there's a father who's the father of the protagonist and who's very loyal subject uh, to the crown and the son out of loyalty to him or whatever. He wants to be just friends with everybody. And in that situation, you couldn't be after a while you had to make a choice. Are you with the British or are you with the wannabe Americans? And I think that that was real. I think that you really did. That was a time. And that's how, like Canada, you know, you went to British North America, became, you know, Canada. People who stayed loyalists ended up moving up to Canada. And, and uh, so it's interesting in that show. And, and as the hour, hour and a half uh, premiere moves along, the spy thing starts becoming more apparent in it. And uh, I really, I, I think that it's worth, people have to understand that this takes place in the 1700s. So there's no big car chases. And no NSA. Like 
No, well, now that maybe there are beginnings of the NSA back then. <laughs> <laughs> There's funny. always been evil people around They're from the beginning of time. They just were under different names then. You know, the, the NSA is, is nothing new under the sun either. No, it's no. Just their methods of collection. But yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely turn is. Uh, so you think the family, this this idea of, of split families is one of the major things about it, other than the design and the yeah, whole thing? Absolutely. The absolutely. Because, I mean, that, that it's that's an uh that's been written about for millenniums in stories you know mm-hmm. whether it's romance you know the boy and the girl you know the forbidden love romeo and juliet right exactly that West kind of story thing. right i mean all of those are just modern takes on stories that have been written about since the time of you know the greeks mm-hmm. um so i really i think i'm kind of enjoying this one because they can't use all the tricks that you can use nowadays in the modern spy, right. which I like. I mean, I, lo- I love spy movies and conspiracy movies, and all, but it's easy now to throw all sorts of tricks in. You can only do so much of that when a story is set in 1776. Yeah. No, it's uh, – you have to be clever. They could go um, – what was it? Wild Wild West. That was a great series. Way way oh back my God. when they used yeah, to have Robert, the funny Robert Conrad. That was and all, a, yeah. but that was that was a great little concept. But you know what? You, the family uh, the family thing. Re- you remind me of something. Rather than bring up a different TV show, I was going to mention that I li- happened to listen because I listened to about twenty podcasts last night because I couldn't sleep, and I was listening to one that I've probably mentioned before, and a lot of people like called the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, which is variable, but it's very interesting sometimes. And they had on this was absolutely fascinating. They had on a guy who was very uh, – had a very good level of expression. What he was saying you know, was very clear and it was very – wasn't pretentious, but it was very clear and intelligent. He was brought up a Mormon and explained what happened, how he happened to get out of the religion. And by the way, this isn't any religion. I'm just saying that the story was interesting because of the family aspect. Uh, he – was in the church and he got up to the highest level or something, um, not authority, but just that they have these ratings apparently. Right. And he was this rating and what he was, the story he told, the interesting part of it, he didn't rant or, or rat on anything. He just said uh, the story of how his brother um, became an atheist and left the church when he was young. And he witnessed the fact that his brother was estranged from the family and it was a horrible thing with the mother crying and you know the whole thing for years, maybe decades. And then little by little, at some point in his life, he realized that he didn't really, he started doubting his faith, whatever. And then he started, what's ironic is, and he said this directly, because of the internet, he started reading stuff and looking um, – because that religion is new. It's not like you know, 200, 2,000 years old. So right. the facts are pretty well established. I mean, sure, there's, there's both sides of a story, obviously. But it's a lot easier to document things that happened a couple hundred years ago or whatever it was. Not even that maybe, huh? Yeah, but maybe – Mormons, yeah, 1800s. Something like – yeah, so not that long, 150, 200. Um, so he little by little – uh, studied for many months and and lost his faith gradually. I'm not even talking about that, so let's not, you know, I'm not trying to beat on the religion itself. I could care less what you believe. But the interesting part was his transition and the way he told that story. And I just tried to look up which episode it was. I'm sorry, I can't find it. Yeah, I think let me know. I want to hear that. I think one. it's back there. But the man's story is really, really interesting. And because uh, SGU... Uh, Skeptic Side of the Universe has a whole panel of really intelligent scientists and doctors. 
um, who only occasionally get on my nerves when they get something wrong <laughs> out of their field because that happens to everybody, right? Um, you, you can only research so much. And if you know a lot about something, you will eventually run into someone telling a story with authority and they're, they got it wrong. Like I'm maybe always, you were there sometimes and they got I'm it wrong. I'm always fascinated by um, – But they're good. Not just by faith, but when, when people – whether it's the struggle or uh, as an instance. I remember uh, like as a kid, like my family going on family vacations and in the summertime and we'd be piling in a car and driving around. And one time we went to uh, the Amish country in Pennsylvania. And, ah, Banshee yeah, Country. Yeah, Banshee Country. <laughs> Banshee Country, cool. You know, Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I love Ooh, that. Yeah. Thinking about, oh my God, what a, what a racy name for nice. a town. Uh, you know, and all the the, the little wooden um, signs mm-hmm. that they all paint and all that stuff. But, you know, it used to fascinate me uh, when I was there watching in the buggies, watching the Amish people mm-hmm. and watching them uh, going about town and, you know, very being very quiet and, and, uh, not intermingling with us at all, of course. And what, because where I originally was from, uh, up on the Canadian border, we had Mennonite communities nearby. And so you would know with all the farms, you'd have the lines of electricity coming into, say, into our farm. And then you'd see other places where there was no lines of electricity going in, mm-hmm. uh, no decorative things or anything like that. And then that's how you always knew that was they're either Mennonite or Amish, but they weren't all, it wasn't huge communities like down in Pennsylvania. So I used to wonder about, you know, they're intermingling with us and the impact of, of having to be around us and watch Banshee. <laughs> You'll know. No, I have, and I, I don't need to watch any. <laughs> that, that does kind of set it out in an extreme way though. Yes, but I've always it's always fascinated me how say the Amish have to kind of put up with us in modern life. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not the 1700s anymore, but they still have to make a living. And like where I'm from, you'd see in the summer times they'd have little roadside stands quite often where they're selling you know, vegetables and and quilts and things like that, and. They would talk to you if you really needed to, but they would just as soon make the sale. And, you know, so out of respect, you just kind of, you know, make your sale quick and move on. I get that. But but how these people with their faith and their or not so much just their faith, but their entire lifestyle being so radically different than all of us around them how they sustain that. And like, say with the Amish, they can have, I forget the name of it. It's a German name that the teenagers can go off for X amount of time out into the real world, experience whatever their real world has to offer. And then they make a choice. They can stay out there in the real world or come back to the mm-hmm. Amish community for good. And uh, what kind of impact that has. It's, it's always been kind of interesting to me on that, on that whole level. It's an anomaly in, of modern life, that's for sure, because now that we, especially now with the Internet, you know, which is, so we're all connected, for better or worse, we're all connected. I mean, I'm talking to a guy uh, every other couple of days, um, you know, I'll talk to this musician who's in Vietnam, but he's, he lives in Thailand or people in China. I mean, you just, you can have, I'm not saying these are necessarily deep relationships, but 
It's like having a million pen pals in the 19th century, what people used to do when they were isolated. And so there's no real reason to be isolated anymore. The unfortunate side of this, of course, is that if you get connected and put too much, uh, what can I say, expectation or if you're if what you're expecting is more like real life, sometimes there's big disappointments. You can have like big arguments uh, where you end up really de- despising somebody that you thought was cool. I mean, that's happened to me at least once. Sure. Uh, or just the misunderstanding. So, I mean, it's it's way more complicated than um, a kind of a um, uh, sulking um, – Primitive religion person, not primitive, not the right word. Uh, ancient religion, not no, that's wrong too. What do you call those? What would you call those religions? Actually, they're not antiquated. I want. I'm not trying to insult them either. They're just kind of frozen Wait, like, in a time, like, like Buddhism. No, no, no. The, like the Amish, frozen in time. What? What would? Yeah. You, what, what's a generic name for that? Uh, you know, but the frozen in time, basically. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I don't want to call them by any names like Luddite or that, that's not. What I'm no, trying to say. That's insulting and that's trying to, I don't mean to. attach. No, I know you're not. But that's when people do that. When people do that, it's, it's kind of like the whole mocking thing. It's like they're, they're mocking that like, these people are stupid. How can you be so stupid to live no, you know, it's so, a choice. on that's horse it. and buggies? And how can you be so stupid as to just get electricity? Just get electricity. And I don't know. Are, you know, young people in this. such a hard time understanding why they've made a choice not to do that. And there are times, frankly, they aren't very many, but there are times when I almost envy the way they are living their life because, you know, when you're on that uh, hamster wheel all the time, turn, 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 yeah. there's almost something that sounds kind of good about no electricity and and just working on the farm until I remember about how it was when I was a little kid of working on a farm yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. I mean, God bless the farmers and all that stuff, but you know, oof. well, um, uh, the, the thing is um, in the late sixties, a lot of people wanted to do the back to nature thing and they would right. do it. They would do it maybe either without electricity or generating their own electricity or with kerosene lamps and campfires. And I've been to those experiences for a day or two and they are, they're actually uh, chillingly pleasant in a certain way. You know, I mean, you get a kind of a chill of going, wow, this is what it was like before electricity. And depending on who you're with, it can be really compelling because you can have a great time. And here we are, uh, uh, you know, four, seven, ten human beings around a campfire. I'm not talking about camping because that's a different thing. Just that you – that's part of it usually is having a fire or having a stove in the cabin or whatever. And that whole the, – the whole the smell of the redwood or the, the logs or whatever that all is – um, yeah, that's great for a couple of days. I couldn't live that way, but there's no reason why if you're happy with it. I've, I've known people who have pretty much done that, and I've certainly heard from good friends about friends that they have that, I mean, are out there in the woods in the, in the wooden structure with nothing. And they, they make do. They grow their own stuff. They're self-sufficient. That would have to be fabulous in some ways. I couldn't do it because I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready but for sure. it either. But you know, last summer, my wife and I were on vacation uh, in the Upper Peninsula of uh, Michigan, uh, Lake Superior, and uh, the Upper Great Lakes. There, it was really pretty. It turned out to be much, much nicer than we thought it was going to be, and uh, the people turned out to be much, much nicer than we thought they were going to be. Also, on the Minnesota side, they're very nice. Yes. Well, you know what? It's funny because about ten years ago, we were coming back up from out west, and we drove through uh, Minnesota. 
and Minnesota. Minnesota and, nice. And but Minnesota, the expression is Minnesota nice. Well, yes, with the Fargo accents. And uh, so we're yeah. up in the Upper Peninsula, and this woman, wonderful woman in a store said, you have to go to the Dark Sky Park. I'm like, what? You have to go to the, one of those international Dark Sky Parks. It's right nearby here. It's only a few miles dark away. Dark Sky, you say? Yeah, it's like, what's a Dark Sky Park? She said that they have them now around the world. It's places like oh, out in yeah. the woods and all that, where there's no light, there's no electricity, yeah. or no violence. And you just stare up at the stars, and there's like no light sources around there, and also we call so that Cali- could- in California. We call that the desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, usually it's called you know the, the outdoors. That's great. So I, you know, I was kind of like mocking it and all that, but my wife really wanted to go, so we went that night, and you went drove through these woods to get to the place and all that stuff. And I gotta say, you know, I'm a, I'm by nature, I'm a cynical, smart ass on a good day. And, uh, you know, I was kind of having fun with it all. Ooh, we're going to see the sky. And uh, it was actually very cool. I mean, it was nothing to get totally wrapped up about when everybody there was with their tablets. It's in the, you know, it's oh, dark. dark yeah. And they got their tablets out. And there's this That's- app. And I have the app. And if you hold it up, it'll show the actual I have uh, celestial too. and all that stuff. Yeah, and but they like, shouldn't be doing that. That ruins no, the whole thing. Because because it's not dark sky. And yeah. I was getting mad. My wife's like, oh, you're overreacting. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's like we're here. Take, put everything away. Put, Get out those 15. Turn off your phones, you know, all that really? stuff. Really? That's bad. But, but what it goes to show is that in 150 years, less, less than 150 years, how much society has changed because – 150 years ago, everything was a dark sky park. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, well, you not, had your not in Paris with the gas lights, well, but yeah, no, the gas lights out anywhere you, out of a city. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, outside of a city, you know, everything was a dark. Now you have my point being. Now you have to go somewhere to see dark sky. Yeah, but if people are bringing tablets out at the same time, and that would really irritate me, especially it if I drove. Couldn't I you get? A, could you? You no distance from all that. I mean, it's got to be pretty vast. No. No, because it was a, kind of a small area that came out of the woods, and you came on to Lake Michigan. Yeah, oh, that's, and that's it was like it was like a little area there, so you didn't have a place you could really escape that. And my wife's like, ah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but that's defeating that's the entire purpose. Yeah, yeah that, you're at a dark sky park, and you're looking on your, and people were like tweeting, and people are taking oh, pictures. God, that's awful. Pictures, and it was just it was kind of horrifying in that sense. Well, if they were taking pictures like, with a real camera, they wouldn't have light, and they would be looking up at the sky with a real lens and so on. But if they're right. taking pictures with phones that are glowing, that's what they were doing. Oh and it was man, just like, get me up in the tower all- with the machine gun. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Like you're missing the point yeah, entirely no, if you're bad. doing there that you're just missing the point entirely when you're doing that but it was just it kind of to me was uh, a little interesting slice of where we're yeah. at as a society that you have to do that and I get the, the, these dark sky festivals now whole festivals like there's going to be one up in the Canadian Rockies, the, they do it every year. I would well, love that. Come from all over. Yeah, I would like to but do that. But no too. phones. But no phones and no tablets. If you do that, your fingers get broke. Can they do and that? No, I mean, can't they do that? I mean, okay, this is a for, for-profit thing, so they're not going to mess with people. But if somebody's going to organize that, wouldn't it be just like when you talk about concerts and not you know, sticking your iPad in front of you where the other right. guy in back can't see? Um, 
surely it would be a good idea to actually try to tell people. I bet. I bet if you on the literature, it probably says please don't use your phones. I'm willing to bet. Probably this was this was uh, this was an actual one. The one we were at in Michigan uh-huh. last year it was a real dark sky park, but. They didn't it say don't use your phone. But it wasn't a festival. It wasn't yeah. you just drove up and you just walked through the woods and, and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's just common sense. It's just common sense. I don't Indeed. know, yeah. There's but you know what? We're, 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 we're past that whole stage anyways. But um, How can we end on a more positive note? I'm already extremely irritated with people with their phones at the Dark Sky Park. Um, what's good besides turn? What, you know what's anything good happen? You know what? You well, yeah. Well, you know, there's always good stuff. There's yeah. there's people that are always doing good stuff. You know, there was a uh, there's a site that came uh, that actually went fully live this week that I've, I've very quickly mm-hmm. has become uh, a new site for me for all sorts of stories and uh, uh, vox box dot com. Uh, Ezra Klein, who's a pretty big writer. He and some other writers have moved over uh, from like the Washington Post and things like that. And uh, Vox is a big media company that owns The Verge, which uh-huh. is a great tech site. I think it's a great tech site. It's anyway. as good as it gets for that kind of thing. For yeah. that kind of thing. For that kind of thing. Uh, but I like Vox a lot. There are some people who don't like that because you ha- you get, you have the story in there and you can click on cards. I mean, cards are the big thing now. Yeah, it looks like Windows. Uh blocks but it's fine who cares if, yeah, but, if the content's you know, good uh, the con- i like the content the contact content is good uh it's a good tip plus it's um, easy to say vox.com vox.com uh, used to be a blogging system i don't know if you go back that far in blogging but there was one and they just kind of gave up i think it was the people from wordpress if i'm not mistaken but anyway good yeah vox, so, you know, i see uh, yeah so it was um they even have a Google yeah, I, Plus. I enjoy that, and I, I like a lot of the stories within there. I was uh, one last thing for me here is mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast myself uh, yesterday. It was um, how how stu- no, it was ninety nine point one percent invisible, and it was a little sixteen or seventeen minute story. It was about how places get named and how products get named. Mm-hmm. There are there are companies that's all they do yep. is they they create names for. The iPad. They, and what they do is, you know, the Acme Anvil company will come to them and say, well, we're going to be having this product and they'll show them the product. And these companies will sit down and, and they it's not just as simple as coming up with a funny name, but they have to come up with is the URL already been taken? Has the trademark yeah. already been taken? Does that mean, name mean something in another language? In another language. So it was actually a very fascinating uh, little, it was this week, uh, 99 point, uh, 99.1% Invisible podcast. And it was all about that. And it was, and so they had two different companies where they had talked to them that have very different philosophies on how they come up with names. Mm-hmm. One of them will come up with 30 or 40 names that they'll go to the Acme Anvil company for you know their newest widget on on what they think the name should be, and the other one has ten or twelve names, very different. And they were talking about like say Hulu, how it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, it's it's, a, there's you know, a vibe, and, yeah, there's a vibe. That's an interesting example because there's a it doesn't mean anything. There's a vibe and a and a and a syllable thing with it, so it's like hoo hoo. Uh, and um, I don't know if you remember the the thing before. Oh no, I can't remember. I can only remember what it was called. I think it was called Juice. Like J O O S or something. There was this Hulu type site, and they they just didn't get the yes, license. Yes, yes, Was it Juice or something like yes. that? Yes. And um, that was another you know nonsense name, but it would have worked if the site would have worked. 
Well, the thing is, is you can't. It has to be or more Google, than just the name. For that, yeah, matter. it has to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember ninety nine percent invisible. I don't know why I was saying ninety nine point one. That's because uh, <laughs> a rock station Inflation. I listen to in Connecticut, ninety nine point one. Uh, but ninety nine percent invisible is a great podcast. Uh, they put out several episodes each week, uh, and it's stories like that. Uh-huh. And a lot of times it'll be factual stories, just seventeen twenty minutes long. That's interesting. Uh, about, yeah. stuff, about stuff that you may never have really thought about before. But I found myself yesterday listening to that about naming of brands. It's like, I didn't think anything of it before. You know, and they even brought up about the iPad, how when the iPad first came yeah. out, everybody made the sanitary napkin jokes. Yeah. But that went away really quick. And Isn't now it's, it's become ubiquitous, really, for tablets. Do, doesn't this is that's a perfect example of how irritating the pundits can be because everybody was doing the same thing. It's not like they came up with anything original either. It was no, always it was the awful. same. Oh, 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 iPad. That's so funny. I don't know whether to, you know, where am I going to put this when I'm not using it and stuff like that. And, and, and in the end, it's, I think it's probably either the second most successful product ever, which would be the first being the iPhone or it is surpassed it. I'm not sure which, but it's certainly one of the most successful products ever. And either the name didn't matter or the name works. I don't know which. You know, we I got have, over it. I have Nexus 7s, and every single time, say if I'm out or I'm at work or, and I'm on mm-hmm. break and I'm using it or something, people just automatically, they'll, they'll say, so what are, you, what are you reading on your iPad? iPad, yeah. And I've had two iPads, so it's not like I'm against them or anything. But my point is, is it really has become ubiquitous. Yep. And the name as, is like Frigidaire. It's like what's in the fridge. You know, the so they they're also – I would uh, go to 99% Invisible. It's a really interesting story because they talk about how like uh, Raisin Bran and Shredded Wheat. Anybody, you could come out tomorrow in France with a box that you call Randy's Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran, Post or whoever it is that owns it can't do anything because they can't get it trademarked because – you had to start this topic, didn't you? Because yeah. just there's a story in France right now. There is a, a very famous wine, a very very top wine, uh, that's called Mouton Mouton Rothschild or other Mouton. They have other products, and they are suing a guy whose name. So this precise example you just gave, they're suing a guy whose name is Mouton. And because he uses the, that name on his label, and his family has owned this place for probably centuries, at least decades, if not centuries. So, if you look at the moral part of the thing, it's obvious that he should be able to do this. This is foolish. Plus, my wife told me today that he actually offered to put his first name. So, say it was Randy Mouton or something. He was going to put. Well, that's that would be unfortunate, actually. Now that I think. Of it. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he offered to make that change and they didn't accept it and these people yeah. are so rich obviously that they can just sue him to sure. death although a little sure. less easy than in the states where if if they get on you you're done i mean you're just right. you're you're uh you know on your knees going what do i have to do to stop this because you right. cannot afford it it's bankruptcy right. um that's not quite the case here because france is not as litigious as the united states thank dog okay <laughs> anyway all right, we've been at it for one hour and eight minutes. I think we have to give people a break so they can uh, leave them wanting for some from the next yeah. thing. We made our yes. we made our um, our recommendations, and I think they're original and new. And ninety nine percent invisible, which I'm on right now. It's ninety nine percent invisible. One word. What dot org? The the nine nine digits. I hope I'm on the right site. Yeah, it's a short oh, radio. Bar, yeah. Barcodes is uh, barcodes. 
is really cool too. It's the guy who invented barcodes. It's a really good – all their episodes, 99% Invisible. He doesn't yeah. tell them. Yeah, this looks great. This looks fantastic. Other, other, than, other than our podcast, which you should always subscribe to, <laughs> if you only subscribe to one other podcast, I'm not kidding, 99% Invisible, they bring the shit every single time. That's never a bad episode ever. That's, uh, it, I love it. I mean, even like something like brand name, I would not have thought for the first minute that I was going to give a crap about it. And I was fascinated. No, it's illuminating. If the story's well told, it's worth listening to. Listen, we should say that this has been episode 18 and that we were expecting Tiara Dees. I think that's the way it's pronounced. Um, we were not able to connect with her. I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll try again. And if she can get on, we'll talk about that. It's a really interesting topic and a really interesting medium story. But in the meantime, you should look for us on... Uh, SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on uh, your doorstep. Uh, yeah. Amazon will send our podcast out to you on a drone if you'd like to. Just write us, email talk at leavethebottlepodcast.com. We will send that Amazon drone out to you if you are a leavethebottlepodcast.com subscriber. And watch Mad Men this week. It starts back up. There you go. All right, James. Talk to you next time. Okay. Ready. okay.